successful businesswoman Sandra Boss was introduced to a man named Clark Rockefeller, a descendant of the famous Rockefeller family. He wore custom-made designer clothes, collected expensive art, and had an upscale New York apartment. Sandra and Clark fell in love and married shortly after. They spent the next 11 years together, living very comfortably thanks to Sandra's seven-figure salary. The two had a daughter, Ray Rockefeller, in 2001, but the marriage began to falter. Clark was a stay-at-home dad, and he didn't hesitate to spend Sandra's money to keep up his appearances. His stories became inconsistent, and Sandra was baffled when Clark would suddenly insist that they needed to move house again. She became unhappy with his secretive, controlling behavior. In 2007, Sandra served the divorce papers and received full custody of their daughter since Clark was unemployed. The following year, Clark was enjoying a visitation with his daughter when he and seven-year-old Ray disappeared while out on a walk. Investigators attempted to track down Clark, however they found more questions than answers. He didn't have a social security card or a driver's license. All the credit cards were under his wife's accounts, and his cell phone was registered to a friend. When his picture was shown on the news, callers gave at least four different identities of this man. A friend of Clark's then came forward with crucial evidence. Clark had had a glass of wine at his house the night before, and the glass had not been washed yet. Police lifted prints off the glass and got a match to a man named Christian Gerhardstreiter, a German immigrant who had come to the US almost 30 years earlier. This man had faked his way into a life of luxury and had got away with it for three decades. Christian Gerhardstreiter was born in 1960 and grew up in a middle-class family in a small German town. In 1978, Christian met a couple from America, Alma and Jean Kelm, who were traveling in West Germany. He used their names to enter the US, falsely declaring that they had invited him to stay with them in California. He cut contact with his family who would not hear from him for the next 30 years. After arriving in New York City, Christian went to Connecticut, where he found the family of Edward Xavier, and told them that he was from a wealthy family in West Germany. The Xavier family allowed Christian to live with them, and he was accepted as a foreign exchange student at Berlin High School. Eventually, 
was told to leave. Later on, Edward Xavier's would be one of the callers who recognized Christian on the TV appeal. Edward described Christian as obsessed with wealthy individuals and fictional characters, mimicking the way they dressed and spoke. Christian had slept on the Saviose's couch, and each day when he woke up, he expected his breakfast to be prepared and his clothing laundered. Edward said he made it very clear that living in this manner was beneath him. The final straw came when one afternoon, Christian refused to get up from the couch to unlock the door for Edward's little sister, so they kicked him out. Christian decided to go to California and pursue a career in acting. By the time he had reached Wisconsin, he was calling himself Christopher Kenneth Gerhardt. While there, he enrolled in a class at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee to become a US citizen. At age 21, he married Amy Dunk in Madison, Wisconsin, and got his green card. They hardly knew each other, so to persuade Amy to marry him, Christopher lied, saying that if he went back to Germany, he would have to go into the military and be sent to fight in the Cold War on the Russian front line. The day after the wedding, he left his wife and headed for Los Angeles under the new name of Christopher Chichester. Amy filed for divorce 11 years later. Christian then made himself a home in an upper-class neighborhood of San Marino, California, claiming to be English royalty and also a TV producer. He became a regular at social clubs and at the prominent churches where free lunches and buffets would be served. He had perfected his appearance, manners, and a posh accent. Before long, he was accompanying the town's rich, elderly widows, enjoying their lavish lifestyles. He even created a calling card with a made-up family crest and family motto, Firm in Foi, meaning firm in faith. The card said, Christopher Chichester, Martin Baronet, San Marino, CA. His hairdresser recalled that although he was only in his twenties, he acted like he was forty. Every time he'd meet a lady, he'd take her hand and kiss it. Christopher used his charm not only on women, but men too. He could talk about anything business, politics, and especially royalty, since he was supposedly descended from British royalty, specifically Lord Mountbatten, the naval officer and British Viceroy of India. And people believed him. He made many wealthy friends and joined the Rotary Club. The town had even given him his own local TV show in which he was the producer, called Inside San Marino, where prominent locals would be interviewed. 
Sandra learned that Clark 
police came to the apartment to speak with Clark about the incident. Shortly after that, he decided he didn't want to live in Manhattan anymore, and that they were moving to New Hampshire, and then again to Boston. They were living in a $2.7 million four-story townhouse on one of the best streets in the neighborhood. Clark used his supposed family ties to the Rockefeller family to boost his reputation, telling friends and neighbors that he was a wealthy Yale graduate who owned a business in Canada. Under the name Clark Rockefeller, he gained membership to Boston's Algonquin Club, a very private social club, where he spent a lot of time. He even held the position as a club director until April 2008. In 2006, after becoming increasingly suspicious, Sandra hired a private investigator who discovered that Clark was not who he claimed to be, although they did not learn his real name at that time. After divorcing him, she changed the name of their daughter and accused him of lying about his relation to the Rockefeller family. And real members of the Rockefeller family also came forward to deny any relation to Clark. Clark agreed to give Sandra full custody of their daughter, while he would only get three supervised visits per year, on the condition that they would not dig any further into his true identity. Then Sandra would give him an $800,000 settlement, two cars, her engagement ring, and a dress he had given to her. Sandra got the houses and the art collection and moved to London with Ray. Clark was reportedly in a very bad state and desperately missed his daughter, who he had homeschooled for years. He taught her to read by the age of two, and she was reciting the periodic table of elements by age five. She was incredibly smart, and would tell her dad that she loved him too much. They had been inseparable. His love for Ray may have been the only thing in his life that was real. During one of his three allowed visits in 2008, Sandra waited in a nearby Boston hotel while 47-year-old Clark and his daughter went for a walk. A social worker accompanied them as a supervisor. On their way to Boston Common Park, the three were approached by an SUV limousine. Earlier, Clark had told the driver that he and Ray had a lunch date in Rhode Island with a senator's son, and that he might need help getting rid of a clingy friend who he said might try to get into the limo. The driver assured Clark that nobody would get into the car without his consent. The ride had cost $3,000 after all. When the SUV pulled up, Clark suddenly pushed the social worker out the way grabbed his daughter and pulled her into the limo so fast that she hit her head on the door 
chimney. 
watching